The climate emergency we worried about is here. Our normal climate is dead. There's a new study out about climate change and our new climate normal that is truly shocking and, for those of us concerned about future generations, alarming. The lead researcher's name is Cassandra, no doubt an unintentional choice in the paper's author's pecking order, but still. For much of the past four decades, climate activists have been warning us that we're approaching tipping points and thresholds that will alter how Americans live, cost us a fortune, and kill thousands of Americans every year. Now we're here. Our normal climate is dead. The weather has gone insane, and it is killing Americans and people all around the globe. This is how quickly it has hit us. When I wrote the first edition of The Last Hours of Ancient Sunlight in 1996, it's been updated twice since then, there was still a vigorous debate here in the United States, funded in large part by the fossil fuel industry and its allies in right-wing media, over whether climate change was even a real thing. They knew that their product was poisoning our atmosphere, but they were making hundreds of billions of dollars. Nothing was more important to them than that money. They and their bought-off politicians began to believe their own lies, or at least some did, and thought this wouldn't happen until they were all dead anyway, even if that was true. But then it happened. The climate emergency we were worried about has arrived. It is here. Now. Six-fold increase in historical northern hemisphere concurrent large heat waves driven by warming and changing atmospheric circulations is the title of the shocking new study published a few months ago in the American Meteorological Society's Journal of Climate. Looking at statistical information about major heat waves, particularly ones that hit multiple continents at the same time, they found, quote, such simultaneous heat waves are seven times more likely now than 40 years ago. They are also hotter and affect a larger area. In the 1980s, the Northern Hemisphere averaged around 73 heat waves during the summer months from May to September. By the 2010s, that number had grown to 152 heat waves per summer. And those heat waves are, almost all, are also almost 20% hotter than they were the year Reagan won the presidency and denied climate change throughout his eight fossil fuel-funded years in office. One of the most startling understandings of what's happening has only become apparent in the past decade or so that the polar jet stream is acting weird and thus making our weather extremes more severe. Over the course of multiple conversations with the world's top climate scientists, I've learned that the polar jet stream, that fast-moving river of high-altitude air that circulates around the North Pole, has slowed down, weakened, and is beginning to drool down over parts of North America, going as far south as Texas. This was, in fact, what caused the severe winter weather that shut down Texas's privatized power grid February before last, along with causing these bomb cyclone freezing storms hitting the Midwest and Northeast and the three days of 116-degree weather that we had here in the Pacific Northwest last summer. Historically, the polar jet stream was held in place, mostly in the northern part of the Northern Hemisphere, by the temperature differential between the Arctic and the middle latitudes where most Americans outside of northern Alaska live. The cold Arctic air defined the northernmost margin of the polar jet stream, while the warmer middle latitude air defined its southernmost margin. While it pushed weather patterns across much of North America for much of my life, it rarely dipped below the Mason-Dixon line, and even when it did, generally just brought the hot, cold, or wet drought weather behind it for only a day or two. But the Arctic has been warming at least three times faster than the southern latitudes where most of us live, which means 
the difference in temperature between the Arctic air to the north of the jet stream and our air to its south has diminished. The North Pole slash Arctic, once a solid cap of ice where Santa Claus was supposed to live, is now an open sea every summer. As that temperature differential has declined, so has the strength and velocity of the jet stream. Now instead of whipping across the northern hemisphere, it often spills down as far south as Mexico and then stays in place for days at a time. What would have been a one-day cold snap or heat wave becomes multiple days, long enough to wreak billions in damage to a state's residential and energy infrastructure. What would have been a rainstorm lasting a few hours becomes an unrelenting downpour lasting for days, creating massive flooding. The changes to the jet stream, combined with the warming of our oceans, whose temperatures also drive weather, have also caused what were once routine weather patterns to change. Regions that were only dry during the summer are now experiencing drought year-round. Parts of the country where flooding was occasional but rare are now regularly experiencing massive days-long storms that tear up houses and flood entire regions. Flights are bumpier and being canceled with increased, increasing frequency because of weather, as we're just now sliding into this unknowable new era of severe weather weirding. This is our new normal, and it's costing us lives and billions of dollars every year, all to preserve the profits of a fossil fuel industry that knew in the 1960s that their product was poisoning the world and would lead to this outcome. But don't think that just because this is the new normal that this normal will last. The last time our planet saw CO2 levels at their current 420 parts per million, sea levels were 60 feet higher and trees were growing in Antarctica. In other words, we're on a path, not at a destination. The planet will catch up with all that CO2, and as it does, our weather will continue to become more and more severe until we figure out a way to get CO2 levels back down to the 1950s count of just over 300 parts per million. Meanwhile, we're pouring more CO2 into the atmosphere right now than at any time in human history, despite efforts among the world's developed nations to reduce their carbon footprint. The Russian invasion of Ukraine has been a major kick in the pants to Europe to get off their dependence on fossil fuels and go green, as have high oil and gas prices around the world. Here in America, the Supreme Court, with five justices put on the bench by money from fossil fuel billionaires, just kneecapped the Biden administration's ability to regulate CO2 and promote green energy. And, of course, Republicans deeply in the pocket of big oil, gas, and coal continue to deny climate change is even happening. The top ten recipients of fossil fuel money in Congress so far this year are Joe Manchin, Kevin McCarthy, James Langford, August Pfluger, John Kennedy, Lisa Murkowski, Kirsten Sinema, Lizzie Fletcher, Henry Cuellar, Tim Scott, Steve Scalise, Tony Gonzalez, and Marco Rubio. Amazing how little it costs to buy a member of Congress to keep your multi-billion dollar year profits flowing, isn't it? Open Secrets. Here's what OpenSecrets.org says are the top recipients throughout their careers. Mitt Romney, John Cornyn, Ted Cruz, John McCain, Mitch McConnell, Kevin McCarthy, Barack Obama, Kay Bailey Hutchinson, James Inhofe, Steve Pierce, Joe Barton, Kevin Brady, Cory Gardner, Phil Graham, Steve Scalise, and Lisa Murkowski. Americans are dying because these paid-off shills have either failed to act or actively blocked any meaningful change in our nation's climate policy. They have blood on their hands with more to come as every year brings more severe floods, storms, and drought. We can no longer tolerate this criminal political malpractice. 
If America is re to reclaim its position as a leader and role model for the world and stop the disastrous new climate normal we're entering from becoming radically more severe, we must get our use of fossil fuel under control. That means ostracizing elected officials in the pocket of the industry, rolling back Citizens United so big oil and coal can't continue to bribe members of Congress, and throwing significant subsidies into greening our energy and transportation systems.